Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 39. Woo! 39! (laughs) (laughs) We are going to talk about Lenormand decks today. I am very excited about this. I'm super excited. This is our first, like, fortune tellery kind of episode, I think. Yeah, dude, I know. I can't believe that we haven't done tarot yet. I know. I've been procrastinating on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) But well, Lenormand is cool, though, and I actually like. I feel like for me, it's easier than tarot. Yeah, I I think that if I yeah, I I guess I don't want to give too much away, but like if I had to go buy a brand new deck in learning how to read fortunes, I would probably start here. It's really cool. And I learned a lot this week in reading about it and, um, and exploring that whole world. So, and everyone knows that Lenormand is French for the Norman. Is it really? Yeah. I don't think it is. <laughs> it's somebody's name and Dan's I think taking it the is. piss. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> La Norman. <laughs> uh, whatever, Dan. <laughs> panda, baby, panda. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, how's your week been? How's your Animal Crossing Island? We, did, we got all sad last week and I didn't ask. Dude, I know, because you know what? I haven't even, like, played in a couple of weeks. Oh, God, what happened? Well, I don't know. Like, I, I got to be able to swim, and then I was all excited about that for, like, a week. So I swam every day on the <laughs> island, and then I just stopped playing. Oh. All right. <laughs> Are you playing anything I'll else right now? i it. <laughs> yes. I have been playing No Man's Sky Ooh. on a recommendation of Dan, and I have been playing Fable. Which, I, yes, I know it is so, so old, but I have never played it before. And I'm pretty much almost done with that anyway. Chicken and I've chaser! Also been, I've also been... I finally got them to stop calling me that. Now they're calling me something else. Saber or something like that. So annoying. Chicken chaser! Ooh. Oh, the ladies just swoon over me. Um, and I, I also started playing Banjo-Kazooie again. Oh, you know, fun! It's fun. That is yeah. that's, that's a good game. I like that one a lot. In a in an alternative universe, we have like a whole uh, nerdy video game podcast. I'm sure, <laughs> 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 where we talk about the replayability of like old Xbox games. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sweet. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh! You know what? what we should do? Light our you know ritual candle. Do? Yeah. Yeah. I've got the lighter in my hand. <laughs> you guys aren't fooling anybody. You guys aren't fooling anybody. Well, I mean, I am going to light it, but I'm also going to blow it the fuck out because it's too hot for fire in here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Our recording studio, a.k.a. Engineer Dan and Ronnie's living room, is awesome to record in during the winter. It fucking sucks during the summer. It's so hot in here. <laughs> but... But I do think it's yeah. important to at least light the candle for a few minutes, so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, that room is not great. You guys have the sun beating down on that side of the house pretty much the entire day. Yep, so. right on my back. <laughs> not fun. <laughs> the poor kitties are just dying this week. Actually, they haven't been, I suppose, they haven't been that bad. They handle the heat far better than I do. But... 
they've definitely been, I would say, more chill. <laughs> they've been a little bit more like, I'm going to lay here. I'm going to lay here and then here. <laughs> and a lot less zoomies. <laughs> and Django is taken to like sleeping against a door frame where we have a box fan on the floor for them. So it's breeze on the floor. And Aww. he basically will either press his butt right against it or sort of roll over because he likes to sleep on his back with his feet sort of in the air and presses nips against it. <laughs> it's so awkward. <laughs> He's so cute, but it's so awkward. <laughs> cold nip. Only cats like a cold nip. I know. <laughs> I saw a thing this week, though. I kind of want to put it out there to the listeners. Do you have an anxious cat? And if so, what did you do about it? Because Django does have a vet visit coming up. Not this week. They get to see Kenway first because they need to know we have a normal cat before they meet Django. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're going to take them in for their checkups. And I think that honestly, J the result of taking Django will be he's too anxious. We can't see him. Here's a prescription. Give him one of these reschedule to the point that I'm probably just going to call ahead and be like, listen, he's going to have a like he's going to have a heart attack in the car if we have to like catch him, put him in a box, take him for a drive. Like he's not going to handle this. Okay. And if they let him out of said cage, they're never going to catch. Like he'll be, I know he'll be in a little room, but I just, I've got a lot of anxiety about <laughs> his anxiety in going to the vet. And I've been kind of wondering, I saw online that you can get little kitty anxiety beds. It's kind of like giving yourself a weighted blanket or I know they have like Thunder jackets for dogs, like weighted blankets and, and little coats for dogs to calm them down. Oh, yeah. and, and so this seemed similar in that it was a really like deep snuggle bed and it kind of absorbs and swaddles them. And I feel like he would really like it unless he would really hate it because there's nothing hard to put his head on. And I can't oh. decide if it's worth it. If he like, I don't want to buy him like a a hundred dollar cat bed if he doesn't use it. But I also want him to just be like, I'm at peace with myself in my own house. Well, you could put his like rock pillow on the bed <laughs> too for him. Dude, I am not <laughs> buying the, the the squishiest, most luxurious cat bed that I have ever bought. A, a bed that probably costs more than my mattress, and then putting an outside like ten pound rock on it <laughs> so that he uses it. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might be able to, I know you can give dogs CBD to like, you know, kind of chill them out. Maybe you can give cats CBD too. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. That's what I'm kind of wondering is like, I definitely, I want him to be more relaxed. I'm not trying to change who he is, but I want him to be calm and feel good. And I don't want to drug him. So that's sort of where we're at is I don't want to give him like yeah. brain altering chemical drugs, but I wouldn't mind giving him like, you know, if the smell of lavender would calm him down or something, be like, cool, I'll get a candle, like some, something. Well, lavender, something. lavender super poisonous for cats. So don't give him that. Well, fair, <laughs> fair. Uh, but, um, I would look into the CBD if I were you. It's not going to make him high. It's just going to make him, like, chill. Yeah, I'll see what the vet recommends and, and sort of go from there. But if anyone is listening and does have some, like, cat anxiety recommendations, 
I'm all about it. Uh, hit us up on Instagram at 5C2PPod or same thing at Gmail, 5C2PPod at Gmail. And I would love some advice. Curious what you've used, curious what you tried and didn't work so I can save my time and money. <laughs> cool. Sweet. Awesome. Well, yeah. let's um, take a Veronica's boobs are sweaty break and uh, we'll <laughs> be right back to talk about the Lenormand deck. Yeah. Well, see you in a sec, witches. Oh, welcome back, witches. <laughs> we are ready to talk about Lenormand decks. Are <laughs> we are so giggly all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, despite Engineer Dan's uh, <laughs> suggestion, I I don't think Le Normand is uh, French for the Normans. <laughs> it was a, that was an assertion. It was an assertion. <laughs> but uh, it is French, and it and it is somebody's last name. But I honestly had never heard of the deck before. Uh, Lindsay, you got one, so I'm kind of curious. Like, I did. how did you find out about it? Where did you get your deck? Um, in, enlighten me. So I this was like beginning of quarantine. The date that I ordered this deck was March 19th, and the only reason that I know that is because it took up until a week ago for me to actually receive the deck. But I was just like, you know, two days into quarantine, I was looking at the internet and I was like, I'm going to kind of like check out Oracle cards and look at different decks. And it was through, you know, searching that, that I discovered the Lenormand deck. Sweet. And yeah. yours is historically, I don't want to say historically accurate, but yours is historical in nature because there are a variety of types, just like tarot or oracle cards. You know, is whoever does the art for the card, I think gets to name the deck is sort of how I feel about it. <laughs> but there's yeah. there's all kinds of different decks and there's lots of articles online of like the seven top Lenormand decks that you can get or the top 20 decks or whatever. So you can go check them out. Um, there's all kinds of beautiful different cards, but yours are are very old looking old style original i'm not quite sure what to call them yeah um yeah so i bought mine through the tarot association who made this deck in collaboration with the british museum so this is a replica of this deck that is in the british museum it's said to be the original lenormand deck so like if anybody's interested they can google original lenormand deck and this is probably what's gonna pop up Sweet. It's called Das Spiel der Hoffnung. Woo! <laughs> if, 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 if I'm pronouncing that correctly, it's German, which translates to the game of hope. Yes. So originally, this deck, this Lenormand deck, was actually a parlor game. As was tarot, and a, that was a very um, popular... Uh, pastime among socialites especially and I think it's gone through phases much like the popularity of witchcraft too um, yeah. you know, it, this one I think comes I want to say the late 1700s early 1800s am I correct in that I'm not good with dates this one yeah this one was published in 1799 the, oh. um, it, was, it was actually published a year after the guy who developed it died so Dope. there's that but uh, yeah, 1799, and it wasn't actually called 
a Lenormand deck until much later. Yeah, I think I read it was named the Lenormand deck after a popular, again, a sort of popular socialite spiritualist or oracle or card reader, uh, Madame Lenormand. <laughs> Madame Lenormand. <laughs> uh, that was. Yeah. I can't remember what her first name was, but. Basically, Marie. Miss, Marie, thank you. <laughs> Mrs. Lenormand <laughs> got uh, got the deck named after her. Mm-hmm. She did. Again, that wasn't until after she died. Yes. Um, but it was, it's said to have been a, one of the decks that she used in uh, Cardamancy. Yes. So, yep. and, and, and more of her, like, more used decks, I guess, which is why they eventually named one after her and started marketing it as such. I read a little folktale about how the cards got that name, and it was that after she passed, this particular deck, being one of her most popular and prized possessions and most common decks to read from in parlor games and and seances and all those things that she would do, uh, traveled around all over Europe and the Americas in with other popular um, spiritualists at the time. And they sort of like their organization passed it from group to group. And they basically put a piece of tape on the box and put Lenormand <laughs> so that they would know that that was her deck. And then it just became the Lenormand deck. And then they kept recreating. They like put that deck itself into publication. But originally it was just somebody wanted to be like, that's Lindsay's. So they put Lindsay on it <laughs> and it would be the Lindsay deck. <laughs> so they'd be like, that's Marie's. And they put Lenormand on it and then it became the Lenormand deck. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. I don't, awesome. I don't know if it's true, yeah, but, <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, that, I did read that. <laughs> nice little story anyway. Yeah. I thought it was super cool. Uh, I like that it it's both a board game and a fortune telling deck, and you brought yours over this past week, um, and we socially distanced, played in the backyard, and gave the board game a try. Yes, we did. We played the game of hope, and it was super cute, right? Yeah, it was cute. I It was fun. I think the first time through, I was like, I, I don't know about this game. But the more we kept going and like, I wouldn't say fudging the rules, but adapting the <laughs> rules to what made sense to increase the fun, the better it was. Yeah, we we actually like I looked up the rules again and looked at different people's versions of the rules. We actually played it like pretty pretty much how it's supposed to be played we oh, didn't okay. change it that much yeah yeah no we did great it's um so it's really interesting um and you use the entire deck for it which i thought was kind of weird but uh yeah basically you lay the entire deck out you're doing what six rows of six cards is that what it was uh yeah, yeah. six rows of six cards there's 36 cards in the deck so six rows of six cards you have your players and you have something like uh, some kind of pip re- representative of each player, you know, like as you would Monopoly. You have some kind of money. We used the little red rocks as a form of currency. And you need a couple of D6s, dice, six-sided dice to roll with. Yeah, it was a really easy setup. Uh, 
and and the game flow itself was pretty like once we played through once it was like oh okay this makes sense and i think our biggest confusion was around where do the red rocks go <laughs> but but once we yeah. sort of set our own rules for that it was easy to learn and easy to play yeah so we started putting the red rocks or our money like on the cards to pay to whatever cards we landed on that were like you have to pay us money but reading more recently i've seen people just putting that money into the pot so next time we play i guess we don't have to stick them on the cards so that you know the snake doesn't have 10 red rocks on it and nobody can sit on it anymore yeah we uh we started with it suggested six to eight red rocks per player so we took i think we took eight each i can't remember now but we put them all in the pot to begin with, with the idea of whoever wins the game wins the pot. And then if we had to pay mm -hmm. the card, we took it out of the pot so everyone loses. And then some of the cards tell you that you get two coins or two tokens or whatever. So we take them out of the pot and give them to ourselves. And if you had to pay, basically if you had to pay and you didn't have any money, you could take it out of the pot. But if you did have money, you had to pay your own money. And then yes. the more we played through, we kept our winnings or our points, essentially. We treated them more like points. So like the end of the first game, if you won and got the pot and there were 12 left in it, then you got 12 points. And then the next time through, you know, if Engineer Dan won and there were 17 in it, he got 17 points and so forth and so on, trying to get a point total of whatever we said is the winning number. No, you said that, that was yes. sort of correct. Where did we go wrong? <laughs> I mean, sort of correct. The The instructions aren't great, as they're you so saw. Big. The instructions that come with the game, they're like, they're translated from German and they're from 1799. They're not good instructions. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I've been seeing more people do, uh, like having watched more videos on the internet, like YouTube instructional videos, that sort of thing, is that people are taking their like eight coins or eight dollars or whatever, eight monies, say and they are keeping those themselves so that you're not paying out of the pot you're paying out of your own like hand or whatever okay. then they are also like tossing a little extra in the pot to start so that you know we were worried about completely running out of money because we ended up paying the snake and the fish so much money <laughs> Fucking <snake>. um, <laughs> so if something like that happened i think that you probably could pay out of the pot even though more realistically, I would guess you're probably just stuck on that spot until you roll a double or until somebody else lands there, as is true for other cards who don't require you to pay, but, you know, maybe you're undead on that card. Cool. I really liked the imageries on your card, and I think this is true across almost all Lenormand-style decks, is they were very clearly like, this is the fish, and this is the clover, and this is the man, and this is the anchor, and uh, they weren't... They weren't vague, I guess. Like a lot of times, I think when I look at cards, they they can be very beautiful and illustrative, but sometimes, you know, I'll use my personal tarot deck as an example. The art on the card does not even close, even a little bit, match the traditional like Rider White style artwork and card meaning. So 
it might say the five of pentacles, but it's got three butterflies and two flowers. <laughs> like there's, it's like, okay, well you got five, but that's it. <laughs> and so I really like that your deck was like very clearly like you're on the clover uh, and there's a picture of a clover on it. Yeah. I think a lot of Lenormand decks are like that. And I think a lot of the imagery in most Lenormand decks is pretty much what it's supposed to be. I do think that there are some decks that vary a little bit on the image, but, uh, but for the most part, it's the image is the image and the image means what it means. So like you land on a clover. What do you think that means? <laughs> Probably luck, right? right? Right. Yep. That's what it means. <laughs> well, then why and, the and fuck it, did and, the fish mean pay every time? <laughs> I don't actually know what, like, as far as, like, in what it means in fortune telling goes, I'm not entirely certain, but I'm sure it means, you know, something that if you, like, if you read what it means, they're like, oh, yeah, you can be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense for the fish. You know, maybe it means that you're, <laughs> like, you know, good at swimming or something. I don't know. <laughs> But also, that's why I find it a little bit easier is because the images are so, like, day-to-day and so familiar. That's part of the big reason why I find it a little bit easier than tarot because there's not really a whole lot to decipher on them. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. It's um, it's very practical in nature. Circling, I suppose, back to the board game aspect of it uh, for for those other nerdy folks like ourselves um, we've all LARPed and in the past there's no LARPing right now for COVID reasons but you know in in the future I could see this being an excellent game whether you're doing it as a board game or fortune telling uh, to incorporate into other like uh, other generalized settings like that because again because that imagery is just you know it's it's very mundane, like everybody knows what a key is, and it doesn't break any sort yeah. of game or world or mythos or anything like that. And, and it, yeah, was, no, it was absolutely. easy, and it was fun. I, I didn't ask when you were over. We, the three of us played, and I just sort of assumed you could play it with three players. Is there any indication of, like, maximum of four or, you know, board game style, how many you're supposed to play? I believe... I believe the instructions say that it can be played with any number of players. Dope. I love stuff like that where it's like, yeah, yeah. And then it's very inclusive too. And you don't have to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. There's only for four players. And now, sorry, Katie, you got to sit over there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's supposed to be two or more. I think that the fewer people who are playing, you have more of an opportunity uh, for storytelling with it based okay. on based on the cards that you land on after rolling. That, so that totally you, makes sense. So, for example, like, if you wanted to, like, take the meaning of each card as you land on it and create a story with it, you could. Oh, cool. Um, okay. I don't think that the game is meant to be played with one player, but I, I think that if you wanted to, it could be used as a fortune-telling opportunity. Well, I don't fair. know that people actually do that, but I think that you could if you wanted to. Fair. I mean, there is an actual 36 card. It's called the Grand Tableau uh, spread yeah. for fortune telling. But I, I mean, if you want to mess around with it, it's your deck. Do whatever you want is my opinion. But yeah, I, I think yeah. game wise, you know, the two or more makes sense. And I could definitely see it being more fun with more people. And uh-huh. 
uh, because it was funny. It was it was funny, like any game, like you know, sorry or Monopoly or whatever. Like when the same misfortune befalls every player, it's like, oh great, you pay the fish. <laughs> now Dan pays the fish. Now I pay the fish. <laughs> Everybody's landing on the damn fish. Right, <laughs> engineer Dan. What did you What did you think of the game? Because you also played. I thought it was fantastic. It, to me, it almost when played as a game reminded me more of like a like a poker situation. Oh, okay. Where there is a pot and an ante and you are trying to collect tokens for success. It didn't really gameplay didn't really resonate storytelling to me. No more than putting a hotel on boardwalk would make, <laughs> would make me feel like I was a like a entrepreneur rich in the city guy, you know. There's also Fair. no yeah. strategy to the game. It's all pure chance. It's roll of the dice. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. But if, it was it was cute. I I would play it again. I think that's the biggest my biggest takeaway is if Lindsay you bring that deck over like fuck it after like not even after a couple of years but like sitting around outside a couple of beers blanket in the yard I'd play again. Yeah, totally. I feel like if there was yeah. an if there was an engineered Dan deck, I would get rid of the fish and put a panda on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's no panda cart <laughs> not in that version <laughs> no there's not sweet well there may be a bear though uh yeah i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember either uh well let's take a let's take a the studio is 90 degrees break and come right back yes. in a couple minutes we want to chat about the fortune telling aspect of it and we've alluded you know it's kind of like tarot but I'd love to also sort of set some of the ground rules of like how it is similar or dissimilar from tarot or oracle decks or or other things that perhaps our listeners are more familiar with. Totally. Sounds good to me. We'll see you soon, witches. Welcome back. That was a much needed little break for me. <laughs> this is the the stu like the studio is the hottest room in this entire house. The rest of the apartment lovely. This room torturous. <laughs> and I'm sorry, listeners, but that's never gonna get old. You've got like another eight weeks of this. <laughs> but seriously, though, welcome, uh, welcome on back and. We wanted to talk a little bit about the other side of the Lenormand deck, which is fortune telling and using it more as, you know, a tarot or oracle deck might be used. And in doing so, I think we wanted to both sort of break it down a little bit of like, what are the similarities and differences between a Lenormand deck and a tarot deck? Because Lindsay and I are both probably more familiar, I suppose, with tarot readings. Um, I certainly am. And I'm not even that familiar or knowledgeable about tarot. So if I know there's a few differences, uh, then there's definitely, you know, some things that should be noted if you're thinking about picking this deck up or want to try it out to get a reading. And I'm going to preface with, I pulled this little list off the internet. Uh, somebody who is probably more experienced reader than I am in both of these things, but I agreed with some of them and I disagreed with others. And I'm kind of curious to hear as we go through these, Lindsay, like what your thoughts are, uh, you know, 
having having played with the Lenormand deck a little bit or just sort of general principle? Sure. So the first one is that the or I think the biggest difference for for me in looking at both of these is that the tarot deck is more uh, spiritual, more vague isn't the right word, but it's got a little bit more of like a spiritual aim, a guidance of what could be, what may be, who you are as a person, what your destiny is. And the Lenormand deck is very practical. It's very, uh, this is like, your question is X and the answer is Y. And a little less what will I do with my life kind of thing or vague readings that you can get with tarot. Uh, and I was kind of curious because I haven't um, done a reading with Lola Normand, but Lindsay has, and we will talk about that a little bit, but sort of more practical in nature. Yeah, I agree. Having done readings for both, and I don't really mess around with tarot anymore just because it, there's, it's, it's too much. There's too much to learn and I can't hold my attention anymore to it. But, uh, yeah, I would say tarot. With tarot, you get like a sort of like a more broad answer to what your question might be that could take place over like a number of years. Or if you're asking for something about something like in your present, it could be, you know, just like, like you said, vague, but also very broad and nonspecific. So you have to kind of pick it apart yourself. Yeah. Um, whereas with the Lenormand, I had heard I had heard that it was uh, very it's very straight to the point. You just used the word <laughs> very, practical, very I guess. <laughs> very 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 literal is the word that I was looking for. And I did uh, a little two card test spread this morning. It was the first time I had done it, and by golly. Were those cards literal? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I think that that sort of blends into the, the cards themselves and the way you read them. Um, with tarot is very intuition-based. And with the Lenormand deck, is there, there's a specific... Uh, there's a specific meaning or a specific keyword for each card. And some of the cards have like multiple keywords, but you're supposed to derive a very specific, uh, a very specific meaning for each card. Whereas, you know, I may read the five of pentacles completely different with my intuition based tarot deck than, you know, somebody else might read on a like reading to reading basis too, because m when as a reader, my readings are very intuition based, as opposed to, well, the book says that the Five of Pentacles means this, and so therefore it means this. <laughs> that's a very like that's much more of a Lenormand thing. It like the clover means this. I do feel like that you have that freedom with tarot a bit too, and that yes, the card may say this, but if you're deciphering it in a way that makes sense to the question that you asked, you can take whatever the meaning of that card is and present it in a way that it makes a little bit more sense. Totally. I personally feel, Engineer, you chime in real quick. I feel like uh, tarot is more of like a discussion, and Lenormand is more of a statement. Oh, that's a great way to put that. I, yeah, it's more yeah like I a, think that's great. It's like a declaration versus a, like a, a conversation and a musing. Yep. 
Yeah, abs- I, I think that that's that, and that falls into the practical being more of a statement. There is a declarative there, and the spiritual being more of a conversation seeking guidance and a spiritual aid to your life. One of the other things that comes up pretty uh, commonly between the two is the, I was I, not iconography, but the suits. So Lenormand decks don't always, but often, most often, do have suits that represent a deck of playing cards, essentially. So you'll have the seven of clubs or the five of hearts or whatever. Each Each card in the deck has a particular playing card that associates with it and a tarot deck has arcane suits so you go through like essentially one through ten of wands and one through ten of swords and and then you have your um your i want to call them magistrates but i don't (laughs) the the like basically the jack king queen or the like the page the knight the king the queen or that sort of thing and going through the court. On, yeah, the, the court. court the court cards. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And and I think that's I don't see personally, I don't see a ton of difference between those two, but that has been in my reading this week that comes up again and again that tarot are associated with the arcana and mm-hmm. Lenormand are not. And I think the biggest thing there is there's a literal in tarot major and minor arcana. And those cards are interpreted differently, whereas Lenormand, you don't necessarily, I don't think you necessarily interpret, you know, the anchor different than the seeker kind of thing. You do, but they one doesn't have more importance than another. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think as far as like the suits go when you're looking at the tarot the suits refer to the elements right so you have the tarot suits and they're referring to like earth air fire water or whatever the suits in lenormand do refer to something but it's more situational where like for example hearts refer to relationships or feelings or you know support stuff like that interesting thing about the suits on Lenormand they were I believe originally put on there so that the cards could be used for other games oh really okay interesting yeah, because they weren't they weren't put on there they, it wasn't used as a mean of cardamancy before it was used to be played as a game right so what I get what I got out of my reading and I didn't see this you know from a lot of sources but I did find it on a couple is that they put those there because you could use that same deck to play other you know somewhat similar games I guess right or so if the you... deck that I have which is supposed to be the original Lenormand it has uh it actually has two card insets on there so you have uh it's six through ten and then the face cards and then the ace um, of all the suits, with the French suits, so spades, hearts, clubs, diamonds. But then on the other side, it also has the German suits, which are a little bit different. Oh, I didn't even look at the other side of your cards. <laughs> Very yeah. cool. Very cool. I imagine also that enables perhaps people who didn't have a Lenormand deck to also 
take a regular deck of playing cards and in reverse, you know, be like, cool, I can find the cards in my normal deck of cards that are associated with each of these in the, in the Lenormand deck and play the game with my normal deck of cards as well. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. is really cool. It makes it accessible to everyone, which is dope. I love that. It's, it'd be like the, the Ten of Clubs is the fish. Right, exactly. Like and you just know what you need and you can play it with whatever as long as you know. Maybe you've got a little pamphlet or uh, flyer or something like that. You've got it memorized. But you, as long as you have a deck of cards, you can always play the game. Yeah. Or you could use it as a Lenormand deck, too. Yeah. Because, all, you know, all of the suits and, and the, you know, like the face cards and the numbers, they all mean something, too. That was obviously developed much, like those meanings were probably developed much later. But I think that that's why the suits are left on a lot of the Lenormand decks today. Awesome. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Uh, I think the last thing that I read most commonly as a discerner between the two is one that I actually don't agree with. And I get, I get where it's coming from, but it wasn't true to me. And that's tarot can be read in reverse. And the way it was written was tarot is read in reverse and Lenormand is not. And I disagree with the is because I personally, with my deck, do not read in reverse. Some decks just speak to you like that and they say like I just I literally the first time I opened that deck was like I am not reading this card in reverse like this is not a reversal deck and I think that's fair yeah and I think that some cards can be read in reverse and some can't uh for different tarot and different tarot readers and different types of decks but I will say they were correct in as far as my understanding goes a Lenormand deck is the card is the card is the card it doesn't matter if it's ups, quote unquote, upside down. Yeah, no, the fish means one thing, or you know, a grouping of different of different things that may be similar. Same with the stupid snake who took all of our money. But yeah, no reversal. And then the the last thing that I saw, which I think goes back to what you were saying, Engineer Dan, is that Lenormand is more of the how, and Tarot is more of the why. So. Lenormand is like, like, what's going to happen? How am I going to get rich? Or does this person love me? As opposed to, does this person love me? And why or why not? Or what can I do to make them love me? There's, there's that extra, like you said, it's a conversation, as opposed to a declaration. Yeah. Tarot is read more like a story, and Lenormand is read more like a sentence. I feel like Lenormand... 90s equivalent is the magic eight ball. <laughs> Ooh, oh man, we go. gotta do a whole yeah. episode on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. So, so those are some of the differences uh, and and similarities and like that. I think I hope if you're following along with this, that gives you a little bit better idea of how to use a Lenormand deck or what you should expect to get out of it when you're doing a fortune telling. Now. When you go to do a reading, there's much like tarot, a bunch of different ways that you can read the cards. But I also found tarot is a little more free forming. So tarot, you can do your, um, you know, you can do a tree of life, you can do a wheel, you can do a five card spread, you can do a Celtic cross. There's lots of different pre-described ways that you can read tarot, and you can also develop your own because it is very intuitive, and the Lenormand deck is not quite the same. So 
My understanding is you can do a two-card spread, a three-card spread, a five-card spread, or a seven-card spread. And those are called strings. So you can do a, a two, three, five, or seven string. You can do a nine-card spread, which uses a signifier card in the middle of a nine-card grid. Or, as I mentioned before, you can do the grand tableau, which is all the cards. And that's the one that fascinates me. If I get a deck, I want to learn to read the the grand tableau because going through some of the like basic how to's on that was fucking fascinating. There are actually a bunch of Lenormand spreads like. Tara. Oh, good. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, there are a bunch, but I think that probably the more common one used are common ones that are used are the stringed ones. And in the string ones, each card has a specific meaning. So uh, I, I'm correct in that, right? Yeah. Where it's like, like if I pull the like the clover, and I get a reading, and then I you know pull the key, and I get a reading, and then I you know have the uh, whatever the house, and I have a reading. Yeah, it depends on the string. Um, it depends on how many cards. But yeah, there's usually like a subject and a modifier. For example, if you're if you're doing a two card spread. Um, if you're doing more than that, uh, like even even just doing a three card spread, it can be read in different ways. For example, you could read a three card spread like first card, second card, third card, string them together like a sentence. You can read it so that the middle card, the second card is the subject and then read the first and second card together and the second and third card together as pairs. I believe you can also do it similarly without having the middle one as a subject and just go one, two, two, three. So there are there are different ways of, of doing it. I think it's it's really just what feels right to you. That was one of the things that really stood out to me is that you have card combos in this type of reading. So I was reading things like if you have the the house and the key, it combines to make house key kind of thing. And house key has a different meaning than house or key. Um, and, and you put them together, you get something totally different. And they don't all have combos, but some of them clearly do. And they make sense. So it wouldn't be like Clover House kind of thing, because that's not a thing. But House Key would be a thing, or um, there were a few others around uh, like Clover Garden or that sort of thing, where like the combos make a little bit more sense. And are very I'm, straightforward. I mean, kind of, but you wouldn't really read it like House you would read it like you know how for example like house means or, or can mean like home establishment safety privacy you know stuff like that and then key could be like openness or, or revelation or unlocking so like maybe you get the, the house and the key and you're you're talking about like unlocking comfort within your home you know so it, it can go a little bit broader than just house key like you have a house key uh, fair fair but but they're meant to be when they're in certain orders they're meant to be read together in some circumstances yes. to get a whole like a holistic meeting based on that combo as opposed to yes. just the house separate from just the key you could like you said you combine them to talk about an open home or whatever it might be yeah, 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 totally. Exactly. Now, I have a question, as I know that we're getting to the end of this segment, uh, but I did want to throw in, so if you do all the cards, does it then fall upon the order that they drop? 
That's the, I, I don't know. Yeah. So you shuffle. No. So, so I read different. Okay. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, kind of. So you, you shuffle, you put them down, you do three rows of eight and then the last four cards go on the bottom. Then you find, you know, whether you're, they only have like two cards to represent gender and it's either a man or a woman. So you have to pick whichever one you most closely identify with. And you start there. That's you. And then you kind of like work around from that card. So I've got a slightly different um, guide on reading a grand tableau where you do the six by six. So you end up with a perfect grid. And the same idea, your signifier card, you choose the gender, whatever, they pick one. It doesn't really matter except for the fact that the imagery on a traditional deck the um, woman looks in one direction and the man looks in a different direction. And Mm -hmm. you would find the column in which, after you've shuffled, dealt this out, you would find the column in which your signifier card lays. And all of the columns, if you had, like if I were doing it, I pulled the, the woman as a signifier, then all of the cards, she looks... Uh, she looks right, I believe. So all of the cards on the left, where she's looking away from, represent my past. And all of the cards on the, uh, in the columns on the right of that signifier column are my future. And the ones that are in the column with her is my current. And if, because this will be uh, so, many, uh, so many rows, essentially, uh, then if she is on the top of the row, it means that I'm in control. If she is in a bottom row, then it means that I'm easily influenced by others. And the, the messy part is when she doesn't really fall like in a middle column and she's really heavily mm-hmm. to the right or the left, then you have to interpret uh, how that you know, reflects upon, uh, you know, there's, there's more in front of you than there is behind you or related to the question. And then all the other cards... The numbers uh, and the cards themselves correspond to what they call houses. And it always falls back to these, like the root meaning of the card itself. But they would say like, whatever, I can't remember right off the top of my head what the number is on a snake, for example. But because we talked about snakes earlier, it would go back to the house of the snake where that falls. And it would talk about... um, identifying uh, identifying sneaky snakes, identifying enemies and false <laughs> friends. And okay. And then like and then that would relate to the reading in your your past or your future. So that's that's where the grand tableau really pulled me in is that there's a very clear this is your past, this is your current and this is your future because that's how I designed my own spread. I have sort of a custom spread for my tarot deck. And it is very past, present, future combined to tell a story. And so I kind of liked that, like, and it's opposite. If you pull the the male signifier, then it would be the things that are on the left are your future and the things that are on the right are your past because he looks in the opposite direction. That makes sense. I I did read a few different things as far as like how to read a grand tableau, but that's part of the reason that I think the Lenormand is so cool is that you, you can cater it to to like fit what you're looking for, fit what you're doing, fit what you're asking. Yeah, um, I do think the six by six grid is wrong for that though. I, I, I've read enough things where 
all of them have been like it's the three rows of eight and then the four at the bottom. So well, I would look into that again. I'm, gl- I'm glad I asked that question. That's totally fair. I, I could have I, I could absolutely have those numbers wrong. The Internet is a wonderful thing where people can go and check Isn't it out. Isn't it? <laughs> it, tells you the, it tells you the same thing everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Never an actress on the Internet. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can't find the thing you're looking for by just clicking on the thing till you find it. <laughs> yeah, no. You have to click on seven things before you can, you know, kind of decide what is right. I will say a lot of uh, a lot of what I've pulled from because one of the um, websites that I particularly enjoyed for this topic was straight up Lenormand Oracle, uh, and it's a that's a dot com for. For oh, for okay. your '90s folks, I don't know, <laughs> but it's uh, but yeah, Lenormand Oracle had a lot of really great. Um, this is like this is the basics of like. So you think you want to do a two card spread? This is how you do it. And if you want to do a nine card um, spread, this is how you do it. And so a lot of what I pulled is from there because it was very straightforward and I liked the way it was written more than necessarily the inform like the information itself was great, but it was really easy to absorb. Yeah, there's a lot, like almost an overwhelming amount of Lenormand information on on the internet. For sure. I think picking and choosing what is best for you is the way to go for that, for sure. So uh, before we hop off for for another uh, ice water break, I am (laughs) curious... Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to pry into your personal life or anything like that, but you did a ah. sort of a test spread and I'm, and you said it was really direct. And so I am honestly quite curious. What was the question? What were the cards? What was the answer? Absolutely. So I wanted to do a test spread because I had never pulled cards from this deck before. The only thing that we had, I had done was, uh, was look, was play a game with you guys, essentially. So I, I I pulled the cards out, I shuffled them, and then I realized that I hadn't been, like, thinking of a question when I shuffled them, <laughs> so I shuffled them again with a question, <laughs> and the question was just, like, a, like, it wasn't a question I was expecting to get a good answer to. I was just, like, what's up with this pandemic? Is this, like, is this shit gonna be over, ever? You know, oh, something along those lines. So, I shuffled. I pulled out the two cards. My first card was the mountain. And so this is the subject, is the mountain. And the mountain represents long-term problems, challenges, obstacles, I know, long-term stuff like that. And I was like, well, okay. (laughs) My second card was the tower. So... The tower can represent, like, authority or the government, but the tower also represents isolation, loneliness, standing alone, independence. And I was like, all right, cards. (laughs) Fuck you, cards. (laughs) All right. All right. Settle down. Goodness. (laughs) <laughs> sweet so, yeah, I mean it was a question that I like I was like this is never going to end and then they threw those cards at me and I was like well okay thanks for that <laughs> sweet awesome <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's just burn that deck and start again. <laughs> I know. Give me the, the woo-woos. <laughs> Sweet. Well, uh, I I kind of want to get one now. I don't know that the, the deck I get will look exactly like yours. I want to look through them because, again, there's a lot of different art styles. But uh, this was... This was a fun enough adventure where I'd like to get my own deck at this point. I think you should. I, like, I'm really, I'm really glad that I got mine. It's cool, and I look forward to playing around <laughs> with it a little more. Sweet. Well, we will take another quick little break, and we will be back in a jiff with a new pussy of the week. Totally. Be back so soon, witches. <laughs> Lindsay, you know what time it is? I think I know what time it is. It's time for Pussy of the Week! 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 Yeah. So. We have a great new pussy of the week this week, and her name is Tatiana Smith. This is an article, or relates to an article that I was reading earlier this uh, this morning, actually. I had somebody else totally in mind, and then I was read this, and I was like, actually, you know what? The world is shit, and I was feeling like shit this morning, and I was like, everything is terrible. And then I read this particular little article, and was like, actually, okay, everything is still terrible. But not everyone is terrible. And I really like this. So Tatiana Smith in Jersey City, New Jersey. She's a software developer. uh, Or sorry, software designer. And she has created a little community pantry fridge. This is not a new thing. I know that there have been people all over the country, probably not even just this country, uh, that have done this for a number of years. But she was inspired by folks that were doing it in Brooklyn, and they were inspired by folks that were doing it in Pennsylvania, and I went down this whole rabbit hole, but Tatiana Smith is the one that's doing it now. She's gone and bought herself like a three-door sliding like convenience store cooler fridge, ran an extension cord all the way to her house. This fridge is on the curb in the street, and she stocks it on a regular basis. Other folks in her neighborhood also come by and leave groceries. But if you need groceries, you can come and take whatever you'd like, as much or as little. And she's noted that people, at the moment, she's been doing this since the beginning of July, and she's noticed that people tend to come more after dark, probably a sense of a little bit of embarrassment or shame, which is silly, uh, because if you need help, you should you know go get help, ask for help. But she started this because she was... Noticing, you know, trends in her neighborhood and she's concerned that uh, eviction notices may start happening in August when a lot of folks in her area are still out of work because of COVID and haven't been able to pay their rent thus far. And people make horrible choices when faced between not being able to eat and not being able to pay their rent. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to take one of those things off the table. So fucking A, man. Like helping people in your community. I thought it was so cool. (laughs) So like affording people the opportunity of having one less thing to worry about during a time like this is really just like one of the kindest things you can do right now. 
absolutely. And it's so community driven. I mean, I know here in, in Somerville and Boston, you can go to the food bank and that sort of thing. Um, I'm sure that Jersey City also has those resources. But this being such a community focus, and I know this is happening all over the states right now as, you know, shit really hits the fan. And, you know, it's nice to see communities stepping up to protect and help each other. So, Tatiana Smith, Jersey City, New Jersey, you are our Pussy of the Week. Totally. Tatiana, we like you. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, Lenormand decks and anxiety pillows for your cat, I think think that's a whole episode. That's that's the whole episode. (laughs) I can't believe next week is going to be episode 40. I am so excited. We're like, it's just a a creeping countdown to 52. I know. We're getting so close. (laughs) But uh, until next week, you know, hang in there. Do something nice for someone in your community. Write Write a nice, I don't know, Yelp review if people still Yelp. Or leave a fun sticky note somewhere for someone. Or... Um, you know, buy some groceries for your community fridge, whatever it might be. Help each other out because, man, we could certainly use it right now. But until next week, remember, no pervs, no Nazis. Totally. La panda! <laughs> it's French for the panda. <laughs>